Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, good morning, Fellowship Church. Would you stand to your feet with us this morning? We're so glad to have you here with us on this holiday weekend. And I want to remind you that God is in the business for bringing dead things back to life. Amen. So come on, let's talk to him and then let's worship him this morning. God, we love you. We're so excited to be here with you this morning. Thank you for giving us a place to come and worship you, God. And this morning, Jesus, we just surrender ourselves to you. God, would you forgive us where we've fallen short? We just wanna come before you and worship you and be in your presence. So this morning, God, we choose to not tiptoe towards your presence, God, but we chase after your presence with everything in us this morning. You are so worthy, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come on, church.
us in this room right now that are waiting for that victory. And we know that you can, and we know that you're able, and you're capable, and we ask that you would. Bring the breakthrough, bring the victory to each one in our church family that's waiting for that. Bring us the victory in marriages, in relationships, in our, in our finances, in the raising of our children. God, bring us the victory in our health, in our bodies, in our mental health. God, bring us the victory for the loved one that we're praying for. God, just give us those breakthroughs. We know that you can. We know that you will. And we ask that you would do it right now. And we give you the praise in advance. We already know who you are. And we're so grateful that you do stuff like breakthroughs for us. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. If you would, turn and greet one another and then make your way to your seats. If you're joining us online, we're excited that you're with us as well. If you would, write in the chat where you're watching from, what you're up to this Labor Day weekend. We're excited that you're here and live streaming this in. So we hope that you're blessed by this service as well. to imagine with me that you're accidentally a part of a social experiment. Maybe you've seen these on the Facebook reels or on TikTok, but someone's standing there in public and they're giving people money and they're basically just trying to evaluate how those people will handle it. It's all over TikTok and, and the internet. But if you are the guy and someone walks up to you and says, here, hold this thousand dollars. And you're like, okay. And so you're left standing there holding this $1,000. Now, in a few minutes, they come back and they say, hey, the same person, hey, can I have a 100 of those $1,000? What would you say? Yes, obviously, right? You would say yes. You would give them a 100 of their own dollars back. And then what if they said, now you can keep that 900 Wouldn't that be awesome? How would you feel in that moment? Would you feel blessed? because you, got, you walked away with $900, or would you feel disgruntled because you had to give them back 100 of those, of those $1,000? Most of us would feel pretty blessed, right? We'd be like, wow, that's awesome, I got $900. Very few of us would resent the $100 that we had to return to the original owner. But when it comes to giving of our paychecks or our own resources, we get hung up. We say, wait a second, I don't want to have to give God 10% and only keep 90%. And I think the reason we get hung up on that as a people is because whose money is it? because we struggle with the answer to that question. In the social experiment, whose money is it? Is it that random stranger that handed us the $1,000? It's very clearly not our money. And so giving away 10% or $100 back to them feels very easy. But when it comes to our paychecks, we think of that money as ours. And so then when it's time to give 10% to God, then we feel like, slighted. We feel ripped off. But the Bible is very clear. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14, it says, who am I that I could give to you? I'm only returning what was yours in the first place. And that's literally how God wants us to see our money. He wants us to recognize that the money, the resources that we have never belonged to us. We were just holding on to them. We were just holding on to them, and later he asks us for that tenth, and then he says, hey, you can keep 90%. And so if we start to change our perspective and recognize the reason we have the money, the reason we have the resources in the first place is because God gave them to us, and he simply asks that we return 10%, and he says, hey, enjoy that 90%. And hopefully we'll have a similar attitude to the social experiment. We go, wow, I got blessed with 90% of that money that I didn't really earn. God just gave it to me. He gave me the good sense. He gave me the work ethic. He gave me the job opportunity. He gave me the resources in myself to earn that money. Somehow he provided and I get 90% if I return that 10%. And if we do that, God says, the Bible promises all these different blessings of protection over our money, over our resources, and over our lives. So let's pray together. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you do let us hold your money, that you trust us with it, and you ask us simply for 10%. You could have asked for 20, 30, 40, but you asked for 10, and you allow us to live off that 90%, and we're so grateful for that. And we pray in Jesus' name for everyone in this room that you would pour out blessings, that you would protect our money and our resources and our families the way that you promised you would. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, there is um, always a lot going on at Fellowship Church. It's a very exciting time here in the fall. So if you are a guest or a visitor, this is a perfect time to connect. And what you would do to indicate that you're visiting with us is you'd stop by the information counter, simply let us know. They'll give you a gift card to go to the bookstore and some information about the church. Or if you're online or you're just kind of shy, you can just text that you're visiting to us to 94,000 and let us know. It'll lead you through a series of prompts. And um, as a result of that, a pastor will get in touch with you and you can take that at your convenience. But we're just glad that you're here. And while you're here, we'd love you to get connected in any way that you can. So let's check out this video and see what's happening around fellowship. On September 18th, we are going to be doing a baby dedication service, and this is going to happen during the worship set. It's a really special time for us here at Fellowship Church to commit to raising our children in the way of the Lord. Now, this is not salvation for your child. It is just a commitment for the parents to raise their children in the way of the Lord. It's a very special time. If you're interested in that, please sign up on the Church Center app. September marks our life group launch. Now, church-wide, we're going to be launching a bunch of different life groups. We want to become a ministry that is made up of life groups, not just a ministry that has life groups. Community is so important in our next steps of our faith, as well as growing closer to God. We are not designed to do this alone. So if you're interested in taking the next step in your faith and joining a life group, check out on the Church Center homepage. You can sign up for a life group, or if you're already in a life group, just stop by the bookstore and register your life group for our curriculum launch for this fall, which is gonna be Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is an eight-week life group course that we are gonna be doing together as a church family. Our church staff has been going through it for a few weeks now, as well as my personal life group, and it has been such a special curriculum to go through. Now, I've personally got lots of revelation out of the book, as well as intimacy with God, dealing with past hurts, and growing together with my life group in a way that is emotionally mature. The author of the book says emotional maturity and spiritual maturity go hand in hand. So as a church family, we're gonna be going through Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. If you're interested in joining a life group, again, you can find that on the Church Center app, as well as stop by the bookstore and get all of your materials for Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We have devotionals, um, the small group curriculum itself, as well as the book. It is such an awesome piece of material and will help you grow in your faith with the Lord. Speaking of life groups launching, our young adults group is gonna be starting off for the semester on September 28th. There's a cost of $25. You can sign up on the Church Center app. This is a group that's gonna be going through emotionally healthy spirituality as well. And this is a great place to meet community. If you're a CMU student or somebody in that stage of life, it's gonna be such a special time together. So if you're interested in joining our young adults group, get on the Church Center app. As always, church family, you can find out what's happening here at Fellowship Church by getting on the Church Center app or going to our website, fellowshipgj.com events. That'll show you everything that's on our calendar as well as everything you can sign up for. We love you so much, church, and we are praying for you. Enjoy today's service. Church family, we've been in a series on prayer. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned some things. I know for me, man, I've learned some stuff and challenged me in my, in my own prayer life and my own prayer walk because prayer is one of the most important things that we do. Of all the things that we face on a daily basis, the only one that has the answer to be able to bring us through our life and through our challenges is God. And prayer is the connection to that. So that's why we wanted to spend time with it. Now, when we were programming uh, this series, we, we started talking about things that had revolutionized our prayer walk, like certain things, like if you could, you could point at one thing in our life that changed the way we prayed, what would it be? And so uh, I brought together, we brought together a panel this morning of, of people that had some things that really, really touched them and I think will touch you in the same way. You guys all know Julie. Julie's one of our worship pastors here, yes. And then uh, Madeline is over our kids' church, so she's over our second through fifth grade. <laughs> then Pastor Will is over our uh, life development ministry or our adult ministry. And so they're going to be helping me out this morning. And one of the things when we get together and we start brainstorming these messages, uh, we started kind of telling stories about prayer and, and some funny things that we've kind of experienced with prayer. And a lot of times we start talking about funny things that includes our kids 
because they're the comedians in our household, you know. So we started talking a little bit about that. And then also some of your kids and some of the things that they've done when it comes to prayer. So we wanted to just start off that way, just to lighten things up and then talk about uh, uh, some of the things that are happening within our household concerning prayer. I know that Julie had said something pretty cool about Molly the other day. So Molly is my daughter. She's six years old and she is one of the long-winded prayers <laughs> that Pastor JL talked about. So we'll be sitting around the dinner table and she's like, Jesus, just bless this food. And God, I pray, God, thank you for this fork. And I just pray, God, that as we eat, we would be blessed. And Oh, thank you for these lights in here, Jesus, that we are able to see and this water. Oh, thank you, God, for this water. And the rest of us are like, yeah, I know Wallace. Wallace is like, please Wallace don't. Wallace is like, like, shut up, Molly. <laughs> Ready to eat now. It's awesome. So I don't personally have my own kids, but I have the privilege of working with your second through fifth graders every single week. They are the best in every way. And recently, we've actually been doing a big prayer push over in Kids Church as well. And so we came up with these little guys, and these are our prayer pals. And this is basically just a tactile that we sent home with your second through fifth graders to help incorporate prayer into just their daily routines. So each prayer pal has a card that's attached on one side is a morning side prayer. And this is basically our Armor of God song that we sing every single Sunday to help them put on their Armor of God. And if you flip the other side, it's the prayer that they're supposed to pray at nighttime. And this is just a prayer that walks them through forgiveness and fear and asking for blessings over themselves and their family. So they're supposed to take these cards home and pray the morning side every single morning before they go to school, nighttime side before they go to bed. So I was talking to a parent of one of our kids' church kids, um, and she's, she's a third grader. So this dad was dad to a third grader, and he's like, man... I love those prayer pals. They've just been working so well in my daughter's life. So cool to see how she's really taken prayer to be serious and as a priority in her life. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I'm so proud of her. And he's like, yeah, you know, when she got her prayer pal, she actually brought it home. And she made it a little bed and a little house. And she tucks him in every single night before she goes to sleep that night after she prays the prayer. And I was like... I'm not crying, you're crying, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. And he goes, yeah, and it's awesome because it works every single morning. She does not leave the house without putting on her armor of God. She sings that prayer every single morning. It's like, wow, I'm so proud of her. He's like, yeah, there was one morning though, one morning where I caught her. She was coming down, she was ready to go to school, and I asked, hey, did you remember to put your armor of God on and use your prayer pal this morning? And she goes, oh shoot, I forgot. So she stands up and she starts whispering her to herself the lyrics of the song that we sing every single Sunday. She starts acting out. So she goes, got my belt of truth, check, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of spirit, helmet of salvation, sword of... Okay, Dad, I'm ready to go to school. It was the cutest thing. And so she put on her armor of God and she remembered. So really, really cute and sweet. <laughs> My son's about to turn four, and uh, he's super intentional. It's cool that, like, he just knows the answer is prayer sometimes. And so I remember I was sitting down at the dinner table one time, and I was just like, I hurt, had hurt my arm somehow. And I was like, I hurt my arm. And he goes, can I pray for you, Dad? Like, well, sure. And so he comes over, and he puts his hand on my arm. And he goes, in the name of Jesus, I'm... And he just starts mumbling. And he does this with his eyes. And he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm like... You're praying, right? Uh, and he says, and he goes, amen. And then he's in his mac and cheese, like, <laughs> immediately. He's fun. I remember, and I don't remember this, but it was so funny as far as I don't remember who said it, if it was Madeline or, or Lindsay when they were growing up. But I was sick. I don't know what was going on with me. And so Rebecca said, hey, would you, would you pray over your dad? And she said, absolutely. So she came over and she put her hand on me and she goes, dear Jesus, just please heal my daddy and help him not to have to die on the cross for my sins. So. That was Lindsay. That wasn't me. That wasn't you. I know my theology. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lindsay's watching from Florida. Going, yeah, that was me. Hi, that was me. Well, guys, one of the things that uh, really, really changed my life when it came to prayer was understanding how the sword of the Spirit works. Now, if you've been here, around here, especially since elementary school, I mean, that's what they teach on a daily basis is how to uh, put on that armor of God or have them pray that on a daily basis. And the armor of God, and we've talked about this in spiritual warfare, we've talked about the fact, you know, it is the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith.
faith, sword of spirit, belt of truth, and shoes of peace. And you look at that armor, and all of it is defensive in nature. It's all designed to keep away the fiery arrows that the devil's going to shoot at you, except for the sword of the spirit. The scripture says in Ephesians 6, uh, 17b, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now you go, okay, that is our only offensive weapon. That's the only thing that we have to, to, to cut at the devil, to cut away at the enemy, to take back ground. But how do you use it? How do you use the sword of the spirit and the word of God and spiritual warfare to take back ground? Well, you do that by taking scripture and praying it and personalizing it and using it against our enemy. Now, there's nothing more powerful than the word of God when it comes to hurting or, or taking back ground from our, from our enemy. And so what we have to do is we have to take the scripture, we have to personalize it, and then we pray it. Now, when you, re when you came in this morning, you should have received one of these prayer guides. Uh, those are for you, a little gift for you. Uh, if you did not get one of these, then you're more than welcome to grab one as you leave. We have plenty of them up at uh, the information counter. Take as many as you need. But if you open that up, you'll notice here that there's certain scriptures or certain uh, addresses. We call these addresses to scripture uh, that will talk about different uh, ways to, or, or different categories of your life, whether you're praying for your church or you're praying for your spouse or your children or yourself. And so what you do is you take this scripture, you look it up, you read it, and then you personalize it. Now, let me give you an example of this. So let's say I'm praying for my spouse. Uh, throw that scripture up on the side screen, if you will. So I'm praying for my spouse, Philippians 4, 7, which is, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Okay, so great scripture. You probably read that before. What does it look like to personalize it? Well, to personalize it, you might take it and say, Lord, help. Of course, you, won't, you don't want, you can pray for Rebecca if you want, but that's my wife, okay? <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna personalize that. Lord, help Rebecca to experience your peace, which is greater than anything we can understand. So you took scripture, you personalized it, and you prayed a prayer of blessing over your spouse. So let's look at one for our kids, because we know our kids need prayer, right? So scripture for our kids Deuteronomy 31.6, so be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. Great scripture. And that was uh, written to the uh, children of Israel. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. So super awesome scripture. But the way you personalize that, Lord, make my kids strong and courageous. Now, when I pray over my kids, I don't pray over just my kids that, that are, are uh, uh, that, like Madeline and Lindsay, but I also pray over uh, Madeline's husband, my son-in-law, because I consider him a kid. I also pray this over our exchange students that we had just a few years ago, because I consider them like kids to me. So, Lord, make my kids strong and courageous. Help them not to be afraid and never to panic. Personally, go ahead of them. I mean, personally, go ahead of them, Lord. I know that you will never fail them or abandon them. So that's how you would personalize that for your kids. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to yourself, a lot of people, they don't like praying for themselves. They, they feel like that's selfish or they feel like, you know, that they really just need to be focused on their prayer life for everybody else. But guys, we need to be praying for ourselves because we are going to be attacked. And you have got to be responsible for your own spiritual warfare. So here's one for yourself. I love this scripture. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. It's such a great verse. Now to personalize that, Lord, help me to have complete knowledge of your will and give me spiritual wisdom and understanding. Help the way I live to always honor and please you and my life will produce every kind of good fruit. Help me all the while to grow and to learn uh, and to know you better and better. So on a daily uh, on, on a daily basis i'll take one of these categories and i'll pray these scriptures uh over whether it's myself or the church or whatever and there's there's a whole section there on the church as well and i have this prayer notebook 
And so it's just filled with all of these scriptures. And I make sure, now I don't do everybody every day. The last thing you want is anything to become like a religious ritual in your life. But I'm telling you, man, when you start doing this, it revolutionize your, it'll revolutionize your prayer life. Now, we teach this in Spiritual Warfare 3. This is also something the staff started doing a few years ago at a staff retreat. And guys, it works. It is so cool. So take these scriptures. Go get you a notebook. Go get you something that you won't lose. Start writing these scriptures down, personalizing them, and praying them every day. So the thing for me that was so huge in my prayer life was this thing right here. So this is my personal prayer journal, and it has revolutionized the way that I talk to God. At first, when I heard about journaling prayers, I kind of had an attitude about it. It felt very 90s, teeny bopper-esque, and that just wasn't something that I was super interested in. But as I became less concerned with acting like an adult and I actually became one, um, I realized that they were a super uh, powerful tool that can be used within our prayer life that helps build intimacy with God. And when I look at my life, I realized that that was exactly what I was missing in my prayer life with God was the intimacy. Up until that point, prayer just felt very ritualistic, obligatory to me. I prayed to God because I needed things, so I'd ask him for my list of demands with pleases and thank yous, and then that would kind of be it. And I prayed because I wanted things. I prayed because I felt like I needed to, but didn't really go beyond that. And there came a point in my life where I started to feel kind of guilty for that. And I just realized that I was lacking such um, a depth in my relationship with God. And so I knew that a prayer journal would help me delve deeper after talking to some of my spiritual leaders. This was exactly what they used when they were feeling that same way. So I got my own prayer journal, just went to Target, picked out a notebook that I liked, and I started writing in it. And before I did so, I started to set up some parameters of what this would look like for me. So first thing, I would write in it once a week, no more. And when I would write in it, I would make sure that I set up some parameters to kind of keep in control of what this book would mean to me. So number one, this would not be a diary for me. So in other words, it would not just be a place where I could complain about all of the negative people and circumstances in my life. Now, of course, that could be a part or a facet of what that book was, but I wanted it to be more. That would just be a small piece of what it, I was accomplishing. It'd be more than just a list of demands to fix what was broken in my life to me, more than just a record of every single frustration and failure in my life. I wanted to be like King David, not Bridget Jones, okay? So that was the first parameter, it wasn't a diary. I would also allow myself to vent and complain because God wants to hear those things and he's the perfect place to bring those things to. But again, I wanted it to be more. So if I felt like I was having a struggle with a relationship that I was in, I would first vent the bad, the frustration, the anger, and then I would make myself pray for that person. And that was difficult. That's hard to pray for the people that you feel like have wronged you, but that was a rule that I set up for myself in there, that before I closed that journal at the end of the session, I had worked on forgiving that person. Another thing that I told myself was that I would never allow myself to be a victim of any situation. And so this journal would help me accomplish that. How? I would look back at my words that I've written and I would try and dig and see, am I speaking from a place of fear, from a place of rejection, from a place of um, complaining? What's the hurt here? And I would try and figure out what that underlying spirit might be that's attached to it. And then I would make myself walk through binding each of those evil spirits that might have been messed with me again before I entered the, uh, the end of the session. And what I realized is that it was working for me. Again, I was growing in such depth with God, and I also realized that it was helping me alleviate and reconcile any frustration or anger that I had towards God himself. There's times where we all feel like he's failed us or let us down, but every single time I would open this journal and write to him, he would show me so clearly where he was in every single circumstance, every single situation, and how he was fighting to work things out for my good. It was so cathartic. It gave me a healthy outlet for the yuck in my life, the anger, the jealousy, the frustration. Instead of complaining and taking it out on my friends and family, I could go to the person who had the power to actually fix my circumstances and the things that were hurting me. It also gave me the opportunity, like I said, to just be completely me. It was an outlet for me because those opportunities where we can just be completely ourselves feel more and more rare as we grow up. And I realized that it was a place where I could just be 
100% who I am. So I could be irrational and silly. I could be deeply sarcastic and pessimistic. I could make jokes that only I knew I would think were funny and strip away all of the expectations and the pressures of the outside world. And the best part about that was is I felt God's acceptance and his love and his tenderness to me as I was pouring those words out. So, so beautiful. David, King David in the Bible, he was a journaler. He didn't know at the moment that he was writing these epic psalms that would one day be read by all of us thousands of years later. He was just pouring his heart out to God on paper. And he wrote in Psalm 62, he said, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Journaling to David was his weapon that made him incredible. It wasn't a slingshot. It wasn't a sword or a crown. It was his outlet where he got to be safe and raw and vulnerable so that he could be strong and capable for his family and his friends and his people. He was considered the greatest king of Israel and a man after God's own heart. And if David was a journaler, I wanted to be a journaler. He wrote in Psalm 142, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden snares for me. Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. But I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Now understand, you don't have to be an eloquent writer like David was in these phrases. He was beautiful. He was flowy. He was writing poetry. But it doesn't have to look like that for you. It certainly does it for me. My prayer journal is filled with coffee drips and misspelled words, bad grammar, run-on sentences. I have references to Star Wars and the musical Hamilton in here because I'm the nerdiest nerd that there ever was. And he loves it. He loves to hear it. And, of course, the prayer still works. And he still listens even if you have bad handwriting, too. Yeah, that's true. I have awful handwriting. You have the worst handwriting. And the truth is, <laughs> yeah. though, it's true. I can't even, I'll go back in a journal, and I'm like, I don't know what I was praying at that point in time. <laughs> so I found a digital journal. It's called Day One. There's a whole bunch of them, but it syncs on all my different devices and stuff. And so I can just type it out. And then when I want to look back, I can actually read it. Uh, but that was, that's a great way that I've, I was able to, like, kind of still journal. And honestly, I type faster than I write anyway. So it's kind of like another good thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't have to be written by any means. But since beginning to take the time to journal my prayers, I've grown in intimacy. And this book has become a testament, testament to the Lord's goodness and faithfulness in my life. I love just sitting there and looking through the pages and seeing all the ways that God has come through for me in the big and in the small. And it reminds me that he is good, and I can trust him because I have pages and pages of evidence to support that. So many times we have these big prayers, and then when God actually comes through for us and he grants those prayers, we are kind of on to the next thing without little to any recognition of his faithfulness in our lives. We forget to praise God for the breakthrough because we're already worked up about the next worrisome thing in our lives. But journaling allows us to just take a second to slow down and appreciate him and how he's come through for us. I think the main excuse that a lot of us have when it comes to not writing down our prayers is busyness. And I read recently in this man convicted my heart quote, it says, objections to spending time with God because of busyness is really just a blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. Mm. Ooh. Don't think we understand sometimes that we might think we don't have time to spend time with God. We don't have the time to write down our prayers. When in reality, we all have to-do lists. We all have work to do. But journaling actually allows us to take some of that stuff that's on our plate off of it and hand it over to him. The things that are keeping us awake at night, the things that are worrying us, that should have always been God's in the first place. So journaling gives us that conviction and that ability to just say, you know what, God, it's yours. It's not mine. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. Maybe it's our finances, our career, our families, our relationships. That's our way to give it over to him and say, I'm going to focus on the good things in my life, and I'm going to let you work out the bad. It also provides the opportunity to just consider the week that's behind us, to really, really mull over it, as well as to pray for the one ahead. It gives us the time and the space for the Holy Spirit to guide us and repair us, because in perpetual motion, we can mistake the flow of our own adrenaline for the moving of the Holy Spirit. But if we stop for a second, we're able to separate the unreliable emotions from the will and direction of God. 
if you feel like your prayer life is lacking intimacy, if prayers feel obligatory and stiff for you like they did for me, I'd recommend starting a prayer journal. It may be the step that you are missing in becoming a man or a woman after God's own heart. So good, too. And I tell you, well, the one thing that journaling did for me is sometimes, you know how it is when you're praying and your mind wanders and you start praying about something and you think, oh, gosh, yeah, I got to go do that. And that reminds me, I also got to do this to-do list to make sure that gets, it happens. And the devil wants to distract us. But when you journal, it's like making yourself be pinpoint accurate and you're able to concentrate on your prayer so much more when you actually use that journal. So super good. Pick one up. We've got journals, all kinds of journals you can get in the bookstore, but grab one and watch what it does to your life. For me, like when it comes down to thankfulness or surrender, repentance, those, those are all important parts of my prayer time. But so many times uh, I just get lost in not giving God space to talk back during my prayer time. Because prayers are two-way street. And I can get caught up, like I'll lay something out in front of him, I'll verbally process something with him. And then before... Like, he has a chance to say anything. I'll say all this stuff. I'm like, okay, thanks, God. I feel better. And I'm just, and I just out. And he doesn't have the space to speak. And so God has been calling me and kind of challenging me to just be silent before him. And silence is tough. It's hard. Uh, there's a study done that says the average group of people can only take about 15 seconds of silence. And I know you guys are far above average, aren't you? So let's put that to the test. Ready? That's excruciating <laughs> to have that silence. It's awful. I can't do it. Uh, Dallas Willard calls silence one of the most radical disciplines in the Christian life. And to be 100% honest, it feels like a discipline a lot of times. Leaning into silence is a part of prayer time. It can be tough, but honestly, a lot of the major characters in the Bible, this was a staple of their life with Jesus. When God appeared to Elijah after his suicidal depression and flight from Jezebel, he asked him to stand and wait for the presence of the Lord to come before him. And this is one of the best verses when it comes to hearing from God. First Kings 19, 11 and 12 says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's when Elijah knew that God was in front of him, was that gentle whisper. Now, the gentle whisper is directly translated in the original Hebrew, closest as the sound of sheer silence. And we hear translations like a still small voice or gentle whisper, and we're like, of course they said that, because how are you supposed to hear silence? but the sound of sheer silence. Elijah emerged from that time with God closer than ever before with him. He had clarity, he had purpose again. We see the exact same model in Jesus's life as well. When Jesus, after he was baptized and God looked down from heaven saying, this is my dearly loved son with whom I'm well pleased, he goes into the desert. He goes to be alone with God. Now even wilderness or desert in that verse is more closely, or can be translated a, a few different ways like deserted place, solitary place, even a quiet place place. And throughout Jesus' ministry on earth, he continually went to go to that quiet place. We see it in Luke 4 when he was going to prepare for a major task. We see it in Mark 6 when he's going to recharge after hard work. In Matthew 14 to walk through grief. In Luke 6, before making an important decision, I mean, it goes on and on. Jesus continued to withdraw to that quiet place. So there are two different dimensions of silence. There's external and internal. Now, external silence is pretty self-explanatory. It's just external noise. Phones, TVs, video games, for some of us are children, if to be honest, and which is a weird paradigm. I usually have to turn on a TV to make my kids quiet. Uh, so it's hard to get silent sometimes, but noise in and of itself is everywhere. And where we're at in society right now is more unlike anything before us. Do you know the speakers were invented, like, you know, like speakers only 150 years ago. I mean, humanity has survived for thousands and thousands and thousands of years without some sort of speaker there. It's crazy to think about because when we think about noise, we just, the first thing we want to do if there's silence is reach for a smartphone or a podcast or something to do, something to kind of fill that, our, our minds with. In the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis describes this. He says, the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise. And society's noisy, culture is noisy. But nothing like that was ever said of silence. Yet the second we, we sit in silence, it's hard to be able to stay there. And oftentimes it's that external noise that our flesh uses to drown out our internal noise. And the internal noise is like the running commentary in our heads. 
It's the replaying of weird conversations. It's worrying about things that we're gonna do later today or this week. It's obsessions, worries, fantasies, all these things that are continually running in our mind. And that's hard because there's no off switch. You can't just power down that. But when you get to do both, when you get external noise quiet and internal noise quiet, that's when magic happens. To sit even for a moment, just aware of his presence and nothing else, that's something special. And I know that we can see this idea of silence to be super intimidating, but one of my favorite quotes on prayer I apply to this part of my life, Craig Rochelle said this, I don't have to pray for a long time, but I don't go a long time without praying. And that goes for silence too. We're not talking about two hours of silence everyone needs to do this week. Two minutes, like whatever it looks like throughout the day can make a huge difference. So a little practical on how to do it. First of all, external noise, you can handle that. Turn everything off. This may look, if you have kids or, or something like that, different times of the day, you may need to try and pepper this in. But just turn everything off and set a timer. For me, it's two minutes. If I'm feeling saucy, five minutes. Mm -hmm. If I'm feeling like a superhero, maybe 10. That's kind of my max right now and what I'm able to do throughout the day. But once you set that timer, you turn off that external noise, then just breathe. And that's that internal noise. And just like Madeline and Tim were saying, just like if you journal before this, you get a lot of that inner dialogue kind of on paper already. I think I'm able to get there a little bit easier to be able to turn off that noise because my mind will start to wander and I'll just, Jesus, I'll focus on breathing, root myself in that moment. And I'll say the name of Jesus to kind of get myself back there again. Once you do that and you start to quiet your mind, just listen, just listen. And God will meet you there. He'll meet you in the silence. One of the coolest things about prayer is you don't need anything to do it. You need a Bible to be able to read the Bible, unless you have it memorized like Pastor Tim. I don't <laughs> yet. I need the Bible to be able to read the Bible. So if, you need, if you're gonna evangelize, you need somebody else to hear your story. But when it comes to prayer, you don't need anything. And the most times in my life I realize I have nothing, which is in silence, I realize God is my everything. So silence is a big portion of my prayer life. Something that's transformed the way that I pray is praying through worship. Every song that we sing is like seeped in truth. It's straight from the Bible. So it's very similar to what Pastor Tim talked about earlier with praying through that scripture. But with worship, it kind of takes it to a whole nother level. Now I wanna say this, worship is first and foremost all about our Heavenly Father. So when we come together, we are lifting up His name, we are praising Him. In Psalm 104, it says that we enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and we enter His courts with praise. So when we sing, when we praise, when we, thanks, when we give thanksgiving, like that is a straight avenue into the presence of the King. And that's where we commune with Him, we sit, we sit in silence, we wait, wait for God to, to hear us and to listen to us. We tell Him what's on our mind, we pray about what's going on, but I wanna break it down even further. So we have songs, songs of thanksgiving and praise, and then we also have songs of supplication and laments. And those are just really fancy church words for like crying out to God for something or you're just going through a really hard situation. And many of the Psalms are these kinds of songs. David would be honest and open with God. And so many of them, he would say, God, deliver me from my enemies. But what does that actually look like in a day-to-day -day situation? So for me, I've actually taken songs and I'll use it as a Bible study. So I'll take it line by line and find where exactly in scripture is this coming from. And then I'll write down that scripture and then I pray that scripture just like Pastor Tim described. But I wanted to share with you just personally how I put this into use um, when my family was going through a crisis. So back in the height of the pandemic, there was a lot of questions and unknowns. And my parents uh, both tested positive for COVID pretty early on. It was the first winter of 2020. And my mom was having relatively light symptoms, but my dad with some underlying health issues was uh, eventually it landed him in the ER. And they live in a smaller town. And so I know everybody was experiencing this, but like the availability of rooms and beds and all of those things, there's limited cell service. So my mom was literally sitting in the car, like bundled up, shaking in the cold, waiting to hear word from the doctors or nurses because there was, she had barely any cell service. My dad had none, he's in the hospital with pain. And I remember just being in Grand Junction and being like, God, I can't, I can't do anything about this. Like I, I am just waiting and I'm praying and I'm crying out to you. And you know that feeling that you get in your stomach when 
the anxiety is so high and your stomach is in knots and the tears that you've cried are all dried up and you have prayed all the things, you've said all the things. And when it's in those moments, that's when I worship and that's when I go to war. And the song that I had on repeat, I remember it so clearly. And I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains. And I pray, God, I claim your goodness. I claim your goodness over this situation. I know that you have brought Pops through so much and I know that you will bring him through more. I know that he has more to do out here on earth and you've been faithful and you will continue to be. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. God, I pray that Pops' story is not done. You hold the present, you hold the future, you hold the doctors, the surgeons, the nurses, you hold the tests that are being ran right now and I know that you have it in the palm of your hands and I trust you with it. And I kept pressing in and if I stopped, honestly, the anxiety would kind of creep back in there and there was another missed text and another missed call and friends were sending me encouragement. I mean, I was declaring things and, and doing all this stuff and I would just have to put on another song. And I would say, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good, you turn it for good. God, I know that you are turning this situation right now. In the name of Jesus, you are opening up his lungs. You are breathing life into him right now. And I believe for it and I see you in it right now. And guys, we all know that the power of prayer and worship works, but I challenge you to be a worship leader in your home and sing and say out loud the promises over your families. They're not just pleasant songs to have on the background, but they are powerful prayer tools that you can use every day. And I know that many of you would argue because I've heard it out in the lobby. And you're like, Julie, I'm not a good singer. Nobody wants me singing over this house, okay? And I'm just gonna be bold and I'm gonna say bold, okay? You have the power of life and death in your tongue. And when you sing and when you worship, that activates things in your household that you would never imagine. And I shared this at our women's retreat uh, last year, and it's been really cool to hear some of the testimonies that have come out of it. You know, it felt a little uncomfortable at first. It's like, why is mom singing while she's doing the dishes? It works. And the peace that fills your homes, that fills your cars, that fills your hearts, shifts the atmosphere. And it's amazing how those hardships turn into praise. And the cool thing is, Prayer works and after almost two years of battling with stuff with my dad, he's actually um, coming today and he is completely healed. Awesome. So I wonder as a church if we might covenant together. Covenant together to say, I wanna bring my prayer life to a new level. Because things aren't getting any easier. I mean, the devil just attacks more and more all the time. And especially if you're doing anything for the Lord, he's going to attack. And with that, we need to up our game. So whether it is maybe you start to journal or you, you start really praying scripture, or maybe, you, maybe you're like me and, and Will and really struggle with just being silent and listening to the Lord. Or maybe you just have been listening to worship, but you never prayed it. Man. At least take one of these things and say, I'm going to put this a part of my prayer life. I would hope that you'd take all of them and watch what the Lord will do when you do that. So let me say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this series. And as I pray to you now, Lord, it's powerful. Not because of me, but because of you. You have the answer to all things. You have the way to give us healing and provision that we can't even understand, that we can't even fathom. And I pray right now, Lord, that your spirit would call on us, call on us to go deeper with you, call on us to start spending more time in prayer with you, bind up any distractions that would keep us from spending the time with you that we need to on a daily basis.
Lord, we know that you love us. Thank you that you would even want to talk to us. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you would want to have a relationship with us. The God of the universe wants to spend personal time talking to us. Thank you, God, for that. Help us, Lord, in whatever we're facing, that when those things hit, when those storms arrive, we wouldn't run to anything but you. We just want to run to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome our panel. Thank, thank them for helping us out. They were awesome and such a great asset. You guys have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or you wanna learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.